don't try to comprehend with your mind. Your minds are very limited. Use your intuition. Madeline Langle. Bending Not Breaking, The Gifts of Imperfection Edition. Episode 7, Guidepost 5. Cultivating Intuition and Trusting Faith. Letting Go of the Need for Certainty. Welcome back to Bending Not Breaking. This is your host, Ben Pruitt, and I am so thankful that you have joined us, that you're here listening in wherever you are. You might be in the car, you might be taking a little walk see, but whatever you're doing, I'm really excited that you have chosen to listen to this because I am excited about today. Uh, the podcast is, as you know, for most of our listeners, all about Avatar The Last Airbender and the whole universe. So we dive into Korra. And this mini-series is diving into kind of all of canon and combining it with The Gifts of Imperfection, which is a book by Brene Brown. So we're doing this deep dive, and today we're talking about this whole thing called faith and intuition. It's like, you know, a thing that people study for years and years and years and still have no idea what it is. So we're going to, you know, try to tackle it all in one episode. And knowing that I'm not a know-it-all, uh, I can't do this by myself. So I've decided to invite someone that's really, really awesome and going to help me unpack this a little bit. So I want to introduce to you all DeAndrea Fanning, and she is the co-creator of Black and Called, which is an organization known for inspiring the young, gifted, and black to impact the world by living on purpose. Like, how cool is that tagline, right? Uh, she's also the host of a podcast by the same name, Black and Called, and DeAndrea is, but certainly not limited to, the following. She's an entrepreneur, an innovator, a podcaster, a student, and a theologian. And she is here today to join us in our conversation. So let's give a warm welcome for DeAndrea. How are you today? I am wonderful. I'm super excited to be here, Ben. This is, um, I'm looking forward to this great conversation. Yeah, I'm also a little bit nervous about this conversation because oftentimes on this podcast, I feel like I at least have a handle on what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And because of this, the nature of this con content, I feel like I'm like grasping at an invisible handle that I like, I think is there, but I have no idea. So, <laughs> right. Same, you know, we're talking about letting go of certainty, right? And I think we're yeah. letting go. <laughs> we're letting yeah, go right we're gonna, here. We're going to try, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay. So, you know, we are talking about this Brene Brown thing, but also we're putting that in conversation with moments from the Avatar verse. So I'm curious just for our listeners understanding what, like, what is your relationship, uh, with the Avatar universe? Yeah. So I actually have not been as familiar with Avatar universe as I realized I should have been. So I had learned about it from my brother, just from years ago and he had been trying to get me to watch it forever and I just never did until I watched a specific episode um, just today and I was like wait so I've been missing out 
on life. <laughs> I've been missing out on life. So yeah. I absolutely understand my brother's obsession. I understand the fandom. Like, I'm here for it. Mm. <laughs> and I'm here to join the fold. So welcome me yeah. in. <laughs> oh, you are you are welcome. I, I There are gatekeepers, but I am not one of them. <laughs> and so I am excited to just, like, welcome you in to the fold, as you say. And so, like, I, I'm curious. You, you said you're, like, you're in after one episode. That's pretty, that's pretty big, right? Yeah. Um, have you had other experiences with other shows where you're like just hooked after watching one random episode? Yeah, that happens. And it's, you know, you can say this because of great writing. Like I think yeah. the writing has been so um, phenomenal just in this one episode. And I understand why there can be a whole podcast and multiple like spaces where there is conversation around this, um, mm. around this show, because just in watching that one episode, I was like, wait a minute, this is heavy. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. nice cartoon, but we're talking about real life stuff. And so I was on the edge of my seat in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, so that was a nice surprise. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I kind of, uh, the, the episode, right, uh, you watch Jet, right? Mm-hmm. And so the reason I kind of like suggested this episode was I think that it's going to play a role in some of our conversation today. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into Sokka's instincts yeah. uh, as, a, as a conversation. <laughs> but before before we get that, I, I kind of want to briefly um, touch on a few things that we will um, get. Let's get some logistics out of the way. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. This episode, we are focusing on Guidepost 5, just for everybody to remember. We said that already, but uh, that is in the book of uh, pages 113 to 119, if you're in the uh, 10th anniversary edition. And then just FYI, looking forward to next week, we are tackling Guidepost 6, which is 120 to 126, just for everybody. So now we have all the pages numbered out of the way. We'll touch on that at the end. But now I'm curious, let's get to some, like, this, this content idea. So we're talking about faith, intuition, and certainty. So I would love it if briefly, like, what is your relationship with those things? And you can just, let's, let's, I, that's a big question. Yeah. So I'm just going to let you, let's and see then, what happens. And then the briefly, right? So, right. <laughs> so I would have to say my relationship has been rocky yet rewarding. Okay, mm, so okay. so to briefly like unpack that, I would say I thought I was a woman of great faith, um, but actually I was a woman who needed great certainty. And oh, interesting. yeah, so that realization and this was something that came to mind for me uh, a couple years ago. Um, that kind of misses the point of faith, right? So mm-hmm. in realizing that, I now recognize that I was missing. Um, this relationship with my intuition. And so I guess in a nutshell, you know, that describes kind of the dynamics, you know, the relationship that I have with the three. I thought I had great faith, but it was really certainty. And I really just didn't even have a relationship with my intuition. Yeah, I, I think that what that's what makes this conversation a little bit dubious is like, the need for certainty, right, is what we're grappling with and fighting against. And like, in a way, it's also what causes the problem. Because Mm -hmm. when we when we believe that we what we know is like, certainly true, 
we are so much less likely to engage in a way that is, oh, oh, it's just, oh, it's, it's dirty because it just perpetuates. It's a self-perpetuating problem, right? Absolutely. And when we think we're faithful, we're, we're not. And so like, how do we wrap our minds around like, yeah, you might think you're faithful, but really you're just chasing certainty. And that's kind of what I want to, I want to dive into today. Yeah. It was an emotional thing. To say the least. I was just like, yeah. what? You know? Yeah. Um, so I appreciate the huge like breaking open, but then it's like the aftermath, like, okay, now what? You know? Yeah. So I'm like in this... that. Mm-hmm. You know how like faith communities talk about like deconstruction and reconstruction mm-hmm. and construction and like have that kind of metaphor? I feel like this is exactly what we're talking about here. Like yeah. certainty is this structure that we have built in order to protect ourselves. And now we have to like realize that it's not protecting us. It's making us making it worse. (laughs) And so we have to deconstruct this certainty um, thing so that we can build a little bit more faith and intuition. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I think you're right. You're hitting the nail on the head. Um, It's all fake. You know, like you think you're, (laughs) that's the gag here. It's just like, nope, what you thought is just really not the case. And um, having to unlearn a lot and having to um, rebuild, especially as adults, like adult learning is a whole thing, right? And a lot of us don't even know how to learn, like, you Mm. know, um, effective, like to be effective in our, in our adult learning. And I think that, um it takes a lot of patience and grace with yourself to do mm. that work. And so it's one thing to recognize like, oh man, I built a, a house out of sand, you know, on top of sand. Um, so there's that realization, but then it's like, okay, in order to build it on rock, I have to learn some things, you know? Yeah. And that work of learning before you even do it is 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 where I think a lot of us can want to give up and just keep going with what we're doing yeah that's so tough Mm -hmm. oh there's so much there too so Mm -hmm. okay let's let's tackle this in we're going to kind of go in order that the book kind of goes okay and so Brene kind of talks about intuition first but I guess we should pause like because I I, uh we kind of been starting these by there's a wholehearted survey uh that is it's called a wholehearted inventory rather on okay. Renee Brown's website where you can be like gauge yourself on all of these guideposts. However, there is no metric for this guidepost because like how do you like measure faith? Sure, right? right? <laughs> uh and so like it seems like there is a, a way to, you know, uh quantify and qualify all of the other guideposts, but for this one, there's like nope, she's like, I'm not mm-hmm. even gonna touch it because like Faith, y'all. Faith. That's the whole point. Um, And so I don't have a score to to compare. Like I'm, I'm like like around fifty percent on most of the other guideposts. But for this one, I'm like, "Mm, who knows, right? And so it's uh, letting that ambiguity kind of sit with me a little bit, right? Um, So the the first thing that Brene tackles uh, is intuition Mm -hmm. in this book, and so. I'm curious without like looking up a definition, DeAndrea, do you have a, what is your, um, 
thought process around the difference between instinct and intuition? Ooh, that's good. I, you know, it's so funny that, um, cause I love this question and I think it's, it's bringing out for me the fact that being a person that has been formed in a Christian context, mm-hmm. we kind of are taught that your intuition is really, you know, God, like, you know, the Holy Spirit and, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm realizing that I'm kind of like protesting that idea. Um, okay. And so when I think about what intuition is versus instinct, I think that what I'm feeling out is that instincts are the things that you do as a human being that are just like natural to your being. Like the fact that you Mm. are a human being, you're going to react in certain ways. But I think your intuition is you, like your Mm. being, your, your individual personhood informing you of things outside the fact that you are a human being. I hope that makes sense. No, I think there's a lot there. And I, I, I'm interested in that separation because one could argue like who I am as a, mm-hmm. as a person is also uh, in relationship with my body. And mm-hmm. like, because like, cause I think that's what I'm hearing is like the, my, when my body, I'm hearing from you that like response to hunger is an mm-hmm. instinct. Like you have an instinct to eat when you're hungry. That's kind of what I heard from you. That's mm-hmm. the, the the thing that came to my head. And then intuition is like, I should eat this because I know I'll feel better if I eat this instead of this. Yes. I think um, that's where I'm landing on that. You know, yeah, still processing okay. it. But I, I think, you know, if I had to start somewhere, that I think that makes most sense to me at this time. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting when we put that that question in conversation with Brene Brown and what she writes, right? Cause mm-hmm. she gives us a definition of, um, of intuition and it's, it's really interesting, right? It's this like, or, or no, I got this definition from Webster, Miriam Webster, direct perception of truth or fact, mm-hmm. independent of any reasoning process. Right. And so when I'm like, Oh, this this is definitely better because reason, mm-hmm. right? That's not intuition, right? However, intuition is like, I just, I have a gut feeling that this is what I should do here. Yeah. And it's really interesting because Brene pushes back against this. And I'm curious if this is kind of in line with why you're pushing back. She says that intuition is not independent of any reasoning process. Rather, it is outside of our perception of reasoning. So reasoning is still happening. It's just happening at so fast a pace in our subconscious that we're not aware of it. And and so research has shown that intuition is this like rapid fire association process that that occurs. And I'm curious in in your kind of conception of intuition and your relationship with this, how does that resonate with you? Um, It resonates deeply. You know, I have to put out a plug for your, your, um, I think it was episode three where you mm-hmm. had that conversation with Indira and it gives background to, um, kind of how I'm thinking through, it gave language to how I'm thinking through this whole concept of intuition for myself. And something that really stuck out for me in your conversation is the, um, 
the idea behind what it means for someone who is a perfectionist in recovery um, to yeah. be, to have been socialized in a Christian context. And so when I let that sit with me and like tease that out for myself, I, you know, I am a, re- you know, recovering um, perfectionist. And I realized that the idea of missing the mark and, you know, not being good enough or, you know, all those things that come with perfectionism, they felt like, they felt like sin, right? Just go with me on this. They felt like sin, which for me, in order to, you know, be in line with the religious beliefs that I had, I was supposed to try to be like God who is sinless. Mm. And so when I'm trying to process my own idea of sin, which is not doing things right, not necessarily morally, but just like messing up with something, it yeah. it deeply impaired my relationship with my intuition because I mm. wasn't tr- I wasn't cultivating it. I wasn't trusting it. I was such in need of the certainty that I didn't even allow myself to know who I was enough. Wow, and so. It distorted my view of my humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. No, I'm, can, so can I reflect back what I'm, yeah. what I think I'm hearing? I'm hearing that because you were in this mode of perfectionism, comparing your, quote, brokenness as mm-hmm. a human, your humanity that is, you know, limited to God's unlimited perfection. Mm-hmm. What, what that did was kind of put you in this binary of you are either perfect or you are broken. Yeah. And when you have that, that narrowness of like, no, if I'm, well, if I'm not perfect, then I'm, then I'm not good enough. Then what that does is that in a way, I wonder if binary is another form of certainty, right? Mm. And I wonder if we can apply that to other binaries as well. Like when we're attached to the idea and concept of this, false choice between two binary options, then what happens is we lose our connection to intuition and frankly to faith because we're, we're so locked in that there's no need for faith because that's the only option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you gave that right back the way I'm thinking it. And, and even like letting that truth sit with me, is mm. is something it's something to really process um because i came to a point in my life where i had this you know i called it an epiphany to to sound cute but really it was a breakdown i was like who <laughs> yeah. who am i you know yeah. like, i had this moment of saying who am i and i think that happened because i was operating in a way where I allowed trauma to inform or society to inform my actions as opposed to understanding myself, which which is my my intuition on, mm. you know, and allowing my intuition inform my actions. And so I ended up creating a version of oh. myself that was just so out of line. <laughs> it was just so yeah. out of line with who I was created to be that it just didn't work anymore. It just didn't work right anymore. And so um, 
the breakdown allowed me to reassess and figure through, okay, who am I? And me trying to figure out who am I, I think is me trying to figure out what is my intuition. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful because if I relate that back to this, this idea that it's our subconscious experience telling us something, right? Who, and, and who's to say that that's like from, again, from this Christian perspective that you were mm-hmm. speaking of earlier, who's to say that that's not also the Holy Spirit, right? Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it, it, just because we have a, a scientific explanation for something doesn't mean that it's not also, you know, an element of whatever faith tradition you might come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of how I think about it is, yes, this is a holistic build on my experiences, and how I've interpreted these experiences and my, and my, and my body's reaction to those experiences are all informing and creating mm-hmm. this, what I call this intuitive flash of like, uh oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or like, <gasps> but these, these undercurrent, like things that bubble up, uh, without any sort of, we just don't understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And, the reason I asked about instincts versus intuition is because I think they're very connected, right? Yeah. Because I think our instincts inform our intuition. Yeah. Right. That's fair. And, and like often the, an instinct to, and I think an example of this is when we go through a trauma, our body learns like our minds and our bodies learn that when that happens, something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, an instinct anytime something like that triggers that response. And so we respond by instinctually mm-hmm. seeking safety. And it's the safety that our body thinks we need in this moment. When in reality, that trigger might be like, you know, something benign. And I think instincts inform our intuition right and so like when you throw a ball at somebody like their reaction to catch it instinct Mm -hmm. but it like the same thing when you like when you like touch something hot and i'm curious because you watched this episode with Sokka, and i thought about this moment immediately when i was reading about intuition and i was like this feels more like intuition to me than instincts. And I'm, mm. and I'm curious what your thoughts on that are after watching that episode. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, from the very beginning of that episode, he said, my instincts are telling me I need to do this. You know, I need to take this route. We need to do this. And I agree with you. I think it was more so his intuition. Because I think the instincts would have been more so of what the others wanted to do. Like, oh, we should just, you know, default to this other plan. But something in him was informing him like, no, I think and I think that that goes to the point that Brene Brown is making where there is this reasoning process, you know, yeah. like that reasoning process is there. And I'm making this this um, decision Um, I'm allowing my instincts to inform me, but also I'm going to tether that with the reasoning process. 
of like mm-hmm. what, you know, my experiences or, or whatnot um, and let that make, you know, the decision. And I think that in the episode, we absolutely see that these are more so, you know, his, his, um, that's his intuition coming to the forefront yeah. for sure. Yeah. I agree with mm. you. Yeah. I, I love that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of other moments of intuition that I think are worth touching on as well, that I, I think are worth it. Um, like uh, the phrase, like, what does your gut say? Mm-hmm. And uh, we often will respond with whenever I have these intuitive flashes, especially when the decisions are really there's a lot of vulnerability in the decision. Mm-hmm. I go into what Brene describes as like pollster mode. And, you know, we don't trust our knowing, mm-hmm. right? We don't trust our intuition. And I, I remember when I graduated from college, I was choosing between like pursuing music as a career and going to graduate school for music okay. or pursuing like going into working with people in leadership development and doing, but, and I like my, my gut was telling me to choose camp Mm -hmm. and what that was the, the area that I was able to practice those, that um, leadership development and working with people. And I also was like really keenly interested in, you know, keeping music in my life because it was so formative for me. It was very freeing. It was a a chance for me to like live into my creativity and something that I didn't really let myself do prior to that point. Mm. And I was like, Oh no, I'm in this binary of having to uh, choose between these two things. And because I went into that binary, Mm. it was this thing that happened and manifested that, made me feel like I had, I, this is the only option which mm. removed my sense of intuition. Right. So I, I, I'm really having an, a, like a realization here that when we feel cornered between a rock and a hard place and we like, we only have two options. That's when we start to not trust our intuition anymore because I started asking everyone and their mother <laughs> about what okay. to do in right. that situation. I was like, do you think I should go to grad school for music? Do you think I should work at camp? And all of my favorite people were like, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going like, uh-uh, give me the answer. I need something. <laughs> give me something real. Like, yes. I, like, and, and all of the people that I truly respect didn't give me an answer. Mm. That's telling. Yeah. Like, Ugh. Because I know that if somebody else asked me that question, I'd be like, don't put that evil on me. I don't want you to do something <laughs> right. and then regret it and blame me for mm-hmm. it. That's all you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so like, I'm curious, like, what's what's your experience with this? Like, how how, how is that manifested Listen, for you, if at all? You are telling the story. I, in not having a relationship with my intuition, not knowing who I am, I was the queen of asking everyone else, like, Mm-hmm. What do I do? What do I do? You know, um, I delayed huge life decisions because mm-hmm. I was asking the world <laughs> what I should do in certain things and just not willing to trust myself. I just refused yeah. um, on some things that I just knew I should do. 
And so that really touched me um, in reading that about the, you know, those questions, the survey questions, because I'm like, oh, this is me. Absolutely. Because just like how you were saying, you know, people have the response where they're like, no, you you figure it out for yourself. I don't want the responsibility of if something bad happens. Well, in asking the question, we are asking we are wanting them to have that responsibility. So we don't have it. So so we can say to them, you know. Well, if it doesn't work out, like even in the back of our mind, if if we don't say it out loud, it's like, well, so-and-so bought in on this. So if I fail, they're going to have compassion on me even because they helped me make this decision. You know what I mean? So, Mm. yeah, those those questions, um, they are definitely a crutch. And, and I love how she words it in the in the book. She says that surveying has become a red flag for letting us know we feel vulnerable about making a decision. Mm. And so that's, that's my, my cue now is when I start going into survey mode, it's like, Oh, whoa, I'm feeling vulnerable. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is a very difficult decision. And I need to honor that by, by sitting with it and taking Mm -hmm. time to actually answer and finding out what do I want in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, something that I have started to do in my, um, in, you know, just in this life of faith, this journey, just trying to figure it out every day. I've incorporated fasting just every so often when mm. I feel like I am being queen pollster and I'm leaning on other people a lot to make decisions. I, when I fast, it's like it breaks that off of me. And it allows me to quiet things so that I can hear myself because I'm in there. I just can't hear me because I'm a, I've amplified other voices so much. So something about yeah. that process of being able to fast and just be seated with myself in an intentional way, whether it be for, you know, a day or several it really does a lot for me to like get back in tune as I'm seeking to like cultivate this relationship that I never knew how to even nourish before, but being, you know, like, you know, elementary in this um, process, that's something that is definitely in my toolkit and it's, it helps. Well, that's a really good question because that's where we're heading, right? Is how do we, how do we start doing this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's because we have to understand like what it is. Then we have to understand what gets in the way, but then we have to know, okay, well, now that we know what gets in the way, <laughs> let's move that aside yeah. and like actually start doing the work of cultivating this thing called intuition. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you kind of give us, gave us this practice for you that works. And, I, and I'm wondering what kind of things that our listeners might do. And I kind of just want to invite them to share them with us, whether yeah. by it be on our, any of our social media platforms, BNB underscore pod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, please check us out and and share like what are these things that help you cultivate intuition in your life i'm i'm really curious yeah um, i am i would like to say too i am always super open to hearing what other people are, do, are doing um because I feel like, listen, a lot of us are out here not knowing how to do this thing. And so if anyone <laughs> if anyone has figured out anything or if they're in the process of practicing something, I'm like, ooh, share. You know what Y'all I mean? quit so, hoarding the goodie. Quit hoarding. Um, and I think, you know, another thing that just crossed my mind is 
this idea of mindfulness, you know, mm, um, yeah. it's something I've been having to teach myself, oh, you know, over the last year or two, especially in this pandemic. I mean, especially mm. being home in quarantine, I've had to do a lot of sitting with myself and um, and I've had to learn and, and grow this idea of mindfulness. And I think that that's definitely been another tool for me. Um, yeah. it, it exploring that and not like the generic idea of just sitting in Indian style on the floor and listening to, you know, yeah. um, a sound bath or something, but figuring out what that looks like for me, like authentically and just trying out things and seeing, can I hear myself better here or here? You know? And so, yeah, yeah just testing it out and realizing there's no perfect way to do it. And yes. leaning into that, that mystery of, you know, yeah. we're just, we're just looking. And it's interesting because another, like I'm, I'm <laughs> oftentimes what happens is when we invite uh, what works for people, somebody's going to have the idea of like, no, this is the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I'm really just like going to hold space for, hold on, let's, there is no certain way to cultivate right. this. What might, what might work for you like fasting may not work for me. In fact, it might cause more problems, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we um, also, as we cultivate intuition, learn to trust it when we are literally trying to cultivate intuition, right? So when we try something and it's not working and like give it a a shot and like Mm -hmm. actually give it a try and then listen to your body and listen to your experience tell you whether it's actually helping you or not. Um, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, for sure. So this, this whole conversation has reminded me a great deal of a moment in this series that is pretty integral. And the, the show premise is that Aang, the last airbender, is trying to bring balance back to the world after the Fire Nation um, has been wreaking havoc for over 100 years, right? Mm-hmm. And his like final battle at the end of the series is between him and the fire Lord. And he has been told all three seasons that he has to like take down the fire Lord and kill the fire Lord. Mm -hmm. And he is like, I don't want to kill nobody. Um, And he's in this binary thinking of like, I I have to do this, but I don't want to do this. What do I do? And he goes into pollster mode. And the cool thing about the avatar is there's this long lineage of prior avatars that are, reincarnated by it. and so he has the capacity to speak with his past selves mm. and he goes into this meditative state and starts talking to the past four or five avatars wow. and he goes into pollster mode with those guys and those people i should say and it's interesting because you know the first person's like only justice will bring peace and that's like a pretty open statement And it's not saying you should kill it or not, but he took it that he like only justice will bring peace means like, Oh, I have to kill him. And he's like, ah, I knew I shouldn't have asked Kiyoshi. And then he goes to the next person. And it's like this interesting mode where when we go into this survey mode, we're also looking for a specific answer. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we like, hold on, let's catch on to that for a second. How ironic (laughs) is it? that we know the answer that we're looking for Man. and Aang and Aang does. Right. It's really quite like, I just got chills. <laughs> wow. Like this is really, 
that's really something because mm. I'm just reflecting on my own life and how I wanted people to tell me what I already decided, mm-hmm. but I was afraid to yeah. stand in. That's all it is. And so it makes me wonder then if intuition is not only having that small voice inside, but affirming it. And you know what I mean? It. Trusting yeah. it. Like it's not just the acknowledging that it's there. You, it's like, you know, the, the concept in Christianity of active faith, you know, like you have mm, to act on yes. it. You have to actually show and affirm. Um, and that is so good. I love that example. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's like, again, this show is brilliant. Like it's so mm. good. Um, highly, highly recommend uh, for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've, we've kind of been engaging with intuition, right? Um, and, and again, I want to, I didn't give Brene Brown's definition. I gave Merriam Webster's. Now I want to, let's talk about Brene's definition. Okay. It's not a single way of knowing. It's our ability to hold space for uncertainty and our willingness to trust the many ways we have developed to trust knowledge and insight. Sorry, the many ways we've developed knowledge and insight, including our instinct, experience, faith, and reason, right? Mm -hmm. Which kind of like, I I feel like that's a pretty good sum of what we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, Using these examples from the show and from our own lives. Mm -hmm. I think what I love most about this definition is the ability to hold space. Like, we just don't do that. We just don't. We don't, Yeah. you know, we don't, dare I say, instinctively allow ourselves to hold space a lot of times and definitely not for uncertainty. Like, who's doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> our instinct, our, that's the problem, is our instincts tell us that we need certainty. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's so, counterintuitive. But don't... Egg, you took the words out of my mouth. Absolutely counterintuitive. It's like... You know, especially when you add in the, you know, society and culture we're in, it's just like you taking this stand is like a protest, like you're protesting for your voice. You're protesting um, what your your lived experience, you know, like so it's so interesting to put words to it. So interesting. But I love it. The ability to hold space for uncertainty. That's the job in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, like she said, the willingness to trust, you yep. just, it's like, you got to then lean in, <laughs> you got to lean yep. into it. So mm. love it. So pardon me for referencing another avatar reference, but, uh, like this again, really, really, really reminds me of this moment at the end where one of the antagonists is one of the protagonists. One of the bad people is mm-hmm. one of the good people's siblings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Zuko, who is one of our protagonists, is uh, in the finale and he's talking to Katara, who you met in mm-hmm. the episode with Jet. And he says, there's something off about her. I can't explain it, but she's slipping. In this way, no one else has to get hurt. And so rather than doing what they were planning to do, he's like, no, I have this instinct. I have this intuition that's telling me that I should do it this way Mm -hmm. because of his long history with Azula. And he was able to see that something was different and that he could engage in a different way. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just, again, putting kind of a, yeah. a little, a little uh, example bow on our conversation. For sure. Great example. So part of this definition leads us into the next part of our conversation because it, mean, it, it says we have to trust faith, mm-hmm. which means we have, to, we have to understand what faith is because this whole guidepost is like cultivating intuition and faith. And I'm yeah. like, this whole faith thing is where I start to like get antsy and quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting with just some of the things that Brene Brown kind of like explicitly says that is worth kind of diving into is she kind of talks about the, the difference between faith and reason mm-hmm. and how they aren't inherently enemies, right? They, they like what, what happens is our need for certainty makes us think that they're enemies, mm-hmm. right? And so when I have this reason saying, oh no, the sun rises and it's actually, you know, a great ball of gas. And well, you know, that doesn't mean that God wasn't involved. Right, in that. right. Or, or, or in, in the same, same way with like, just because we can explain what intuition is, that mm-hmm. it's uh, our experiences informing us over time, doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit, as you had mentioned earlier again, is not involved in that process. And when we try to be certain about it, like, no, it's the Holy Spirit. Nope. It's our experience. All right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Then that's when we get into this like tricksy, tricksy spot. Um, so you are a person of faith, mm-hmm. uh, self, self-described. And I'm curious about your relationship with faith and reason. Like, like how does this, this concept that she lifts up uh, sit with you? You know, it, it makes me realize um, that, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I've relied a lot on certainty, which I think is also another way of saying reason. Like, you know, um, as a perfectionist in recovery, I am trying to ensure some things. I'm trying to ensure that I'm getting <laughs> the outcomes that I I am desiring in order to have this feeling that I'm, you know, in this space that I need to be in of, you know, this pseudo perfection. <laughs> and yeah. so faith just doesn't fit in there. Yeah. It just it doesn't really work. And what I realized I ended up doing was I was trying to equate faith with reason, trying to interchange them. And it's just not the same. And so that's why. They don't feel the same. Yeah. It's a complete. And now having a better relationship with faith and understanding what that really feels like. I'm like, oh, no, girl, you definitely didn't have faith before. (laughs) Like, because you, the faith is just is allowing yourself to be suspended Mm. just out there. Um, And reason, you know, like, it's just like, (laughs) like you just want to shake it off. Right. And, and faith is so right there with fear. It's like, you know, and that's it's not like their something best friends, right? they're, they are cousins. Like they're just, mm. they're the same bloodline. It's just, 
they're so close and just in an attempt to um, not have any relationship with fear, you try to go for a reason at all costs, you know, and yeah. it doesn't leave room for that faith at all. Yeah. At all. And, you know, I think she describes faith. Her definition in the book is faith is a place of mystery where we find the courage to believe in what we cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear of uncertainty. Mm. And so what I want to be clear about is that when, when Brene says that we need to cultivate faith, she is not saying we need to profess like confession that, you know, right. Christ is our Lord and savior. Mm -hmm. That is not what she's saying. In fact, she's saying something very different, right? She is mm -hmm. saying that we need to cultivate <laughs> this idea that we can believe things that we cannot see mm -hmm. and strength to let go of this thing that is uncertainty, mm -hmm. right? We have to let go of this need for certainty. And that's yeah. what faith is. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I want to, I want to put that in conversation with what faith means to you. Mm -hmm. And are they different? Are they different for you as, as a person of, again, of the Christian tradition? Like how does, how do these two play together? What is, what is that like for you? Yeah, so I think I first have to give a caveat that I am not a traditional, you know, follower of Christ. I question everything, you know, like I, I'm deeply um, deliberative. And so mm -hmm. um, in this journey, this more, you know, recent journey that I've had with intentionally understanding faith and intuition, I guess over the last two years, I recognize exactly what you're saying that faith in and of itself is not, I think in the, in the Christian context, we say faith and it's automatically faith in God. Yep. Like it's automatically coupled. But if you take faith apart from God, that's, that's something else, you know, that's something completely else. And I think Renee Brown just hit it out of the park. It's yeah. the ability to lean into the mystery. Just allow mm. it to consume you. Mm. And mm -hmm. that's something that is so otherworldly <laughs> in my mind. It's like yeah, yeah, something yeah. to not even, like, it takes a lot of work to be yeah. seated in that type of space. Yeah. But as a follower of Christ, if I'm looking at it in in the way, you know, that I should, I feel like what it's actually saying is that I need to have this appreciation for the fact that I know nothing. Yeah. I, I do I do <laughs> not have I am looking in a distorted, you know, from a distorted view, or I'm just not going to have the whole view of anything mm. and let that be the reality all the time. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, we have allowed faith in the Christian context to mean that it's a certainty of in yes. God. And that I just think it's actually the opposite. 
it's the mm. it's I think it's a deep questioning, a deep yeah. wonder of God. I think that's faith. Yeah, well, and it's interesting for me and many of our listeners who have been listening to the whole series know that I'm in divinity school right now and know that I am asking these questions, right? And every time I read these books on theology and these things about, you know, about God and mm-hmm. God knowledge and what God is and all that jazz, mm-hmm. there's always this like one line in the text that's like, only through faith in God and da 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 mm-hmm, can you mm-hmm. can you experience like all these and I'm sitting here going like that's not my experience because mm-hmm. I like I am I feel a deep sense of connection to what I might call God mm-hmm. and I also feel a deep sense of of faith but it's not faith in what they're describing mm-hmm. and when I when when those two things clash I sit there and I'm going like then, then what's up? And it's one of those things where like, I, I, I want to know, but it's also one of those things where like, I am finally getting to a point where I feel like I am not looking for confirmation that I'm mm. right. Nor Say am that. I looking, nor am I looking and reading into what they're saying, thinking that they're wrong. I'm mostly trying to say, okay, how is what they are, what they are saying? How does that vibe with my experience? And then like, how do I put those two things in conversation with one another? And Mm -hmm. I think that's what matters more for me. Right. Mm -hmm, It's, mm -hmm. but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You've said it all. Like I, I think if we just let go of the idea, I think math is what really messed us up, thinking there's a right answer. (laughs) We're all trying to figure out the answer, you know, and we're taking that same thought process, you know, that we take or or mindset that we take with math and, you know, algebra and applying that to life. And it just does not work. It doesn't work. And I think that um, allowing space for mystery um, and wonder is what life is really supposed to be about. And I think yeah. living in that way, like creating a lifestyle where you're just um, taking the steps that appear as you're going, you know, in front of you, yeah. like, is what I think that's doing life right. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's doing I, right. I think it's also worth lifting up just to be clear that. I think both you and I are coming from this Western mindset and also from like just due to our nature of our study, uh, Western Christian mindset mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and to, to realize that this conversation, while it might be applicable to other areas around the world, other Christianities around the world, it is not necessarily like, again, like it's, it's based off our contexts. Right. right. And so we have to put that in conversation with people who are in an entirely different context mm-hmm. with entirely different experiences and their experience might be entirely different. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, none of this is universal, but what it is, is putting it in conversation with the great mystery so that we can all learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, there's this moment that this made me think of in the show that is quite beautiful. And I actually want to play it for us. And 
Uh, I want you to, to listen to it and then tell me what you think. Okay. Can you imagine how much pain Ang felt when he learned that his entire culture was taken from him? That must have been so awful. But he never let it destroy his spirit. He chose to find meaning in his suffering and eventually found peace. And what am I going to find if I get through this? I don't know. But won't it be interesting to find out? I just got chills. And like that moment is just so mm-hmm. tough. And just so for your context, DeAndrea, Cora is has been injured greatly and she is had a serious physical trauma and also mental trauma that is impacting her and she's in a wheelchair and she's trying to heal and um then this scene happens and katara is the older now older version of katara than so in in the next life so she's counseling the new avatar um and this moment at the end where she says i don't know but won't it be nice to find out to me if that's not like a, a statement of faith, then I don't know what is. Right? That's it. That's it. Just, just being okay right there. Just not needing a bow. It's not so needing hard. A, it's so hard. hard you know, um, I, I, I always feel like, you know, especially when I'm talking with people, you know, and, you know, they need, what I mm-hmm. think is an encouraging word. <laughs> I default to feeling I feeling like I need to give them a nice wrapped bow of a statement of a, you know, um, things will be okay if you just trust, you know. And I'm I'm having to shed that. I'm having to get, I think. It takes more faith to say, I, I don't know. How ironic, I right? Be interesting to How ironic out. that it's, it's not certainty that we need in that moment. And it's not what we want and what we're seeking from other people either, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm in a moment of crisis, I'm not looking for you to tell me that, like, mm-hmm. you know, this is God's will. Like, that makes me want to puke. And so it's really like, like, and so it's one of those things where mm-hmm. I don't need your certainty. I need you to be with me in this and, and let me live in this uncertainty in yes. the way that I need to. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we don't like to be, we don't uh, like the state of disorientation. Yes. We don't like it. We don't like feeling unsettled. Um, we try to quickly get from, you know, the certain one certain space to another. We don't like the in between. And so I think faith requires us to stay in a, a state of oh. disorientation. And, yeah. Lean into the discomfort. Oh, and then and then learn to live there. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. Like set up yeah. a whole but as tent soon as it becomes comfortable, live. remember like. Wow. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I'm, right. I'm keenly interested in this idea that we need to cultivate this. We need to cultivate this, this uncertainty and this like comfort with uncertainty and trusting 
the the intuition yeah. that is you know guided by that uncertainty <laughs> and there's just this this mm-hmm. release i think of being who we are and who we can become and going back to this to guidepost one of cultivating authenticity like we are most authentic when we are living in this mystery it feels like right which is mm-hmm. again just a big yikes mm-hmm. um yeah and you know Brene writes this line about faith being essential when we decide to live in love with our whole hearts in a world that is constantly demanding assurance mm-hmm. prior to vulnerability, right? That's just the world we live in. And yeah. I, I think what you said earlier is really important. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, it, it goes against the status quo to, uh, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what your words were, right. but like it goes against the status quo to live in faith, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, yes, protesting. Yes. You have to you have to live in this like protesting mm. state in order mm. to cultivate this oh, stuff. You know, this is big. This is big stuff. Oh man. Okay, so right. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I love I, it I though. Too. I love <laughs> it, and I hate it at the exact same time. <laughs> Uh, right. So what did we miss? We've, we've talked about <laughs> intuition. We've talked about faith. We've talked about this, this thing that gets in the way that is uncertainty. I, I, what did we miss? What do we still need to touch on? You know, this thought just crossed my mind while you were talking about, um, you know, this world that constantly demands assurance prior to vulnerability And one thing for me that has been forcing me to be vulnerable is Mm. cultivating my creativity Mm. and my imagination. And I think that being in a world where we're socialized to, you know, you go to high school, you go to, you're supposed to quote unquote, go to college, and then you go get that good job. And, you know, there is no imagination there. It's just a checklist. And I had forgotten what it even meant to be creative. I had forgotten what it even meant to imagine. Um, And I think that our creativity and our imagination, those are things that are like pre-programmed in us to be a tool to help us to access this vulnerability you know, when you're yeah. creating something, you don't know what that thing's going to look like at the end. Like you have an idea, but you kind of have to go through the journey of, oh, is it going to turn out right? And so I just want to lift that up, that tapping into whatever mm. creativity and imagination mm. looks like for you is, a, yeah. I think, a great tool to consider um, when when trying to cultivate intuition and faith yeah. and just all the No, I think that's brilliant. Today. And what I love like spoiler alert for, for listeners, for people who haven't read ahead yet, but one of our guideposts is cultivating creativity. And, and I, and I, and I think that that's what's really wow. integral <laughs> about all of these guideposts is that they're all interconnected and like, they're all inextricably uh, tied to one another, right? You can't like separate one and put it in a silo. And yeah. I think what you just kind of lifted up is how true that is, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that's so true, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Actually, spoiler alert, that's what we're talking about next week is cultivating creativity. Um, 
So that's pretty, pretty neat. Nice. Uh, wow. How, 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 what a coincidence know, that she great. put it right after this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so I, we always end with, uh, Brene ends the chapter with D-I-G, which is her acronym, and so we kind of end that way as well. And so G stand, or D for DIG uh, stands for getting deliberate, right? So how can we find space where we can listen to ourselves? And we kind of already touched on this earlier. You gave us this brilliant insight into what works for you and having these moments of fasting, allowing you to get deliberate right about and be intentional about thinking and being mindful of, of this process. Um, Did we miss, are there others that that might be worth touching on or um, that's it? Yeah, no, I think finding and maybe just lumping in that whole, I started painting. I'm not a painter. Mm. Let me tell it, but I just started painting and just making stuff. So yeah, I, I listened to myself there. Yeah. And so, using creativity as a vehicle mm-hmm. to listen to ourselves in a way mm-hmm. like what we create can be telling about what's going on. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. Okay. So that's getting deliberate, like finding that space to listen to ourselves and mm-hmm. whether that be fasting, meditating, painting, whatever that is, take that time for yourself and be selfish about it. And <laughs> And, and absolutely be real right lean in mm-hmm. all right so getting inspired so we've gotten deliberate we've thought about it we know what we need now we've like fit like we've, we've put our finger on part of the problem for us now we have to get inspired right and so i love this quote from paulo coelho who wrote the alchemist um intuition is really a sudden immersion of the soul into universal current of life where the histories of all people are connected and we are all able to know everything because it's all written there. Mm. And that just makes That's me want to, that makes me want to listen to myself more because like I'm tapping mm. into that, right? <laughs> like, mm, like this, this idea yeah. that we can listen to our ancestral wisdom, right? And yes. ugh, there's so much there. I just got chills. There's so much there yeah, that we can tap here. into. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I love that. That's inspiring That's so for good. me. <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious I'm for you inspired. all, like, uh, for our listeners, like what inspires you, right? What inspires you and helps you tap in and, and believe it's worth tapping into this thing called intuition mm-hmm. and leaning into this discomfort that comes with faith. What is that? What is inspired for you? And then finally, we got to get going. So this is where like 
faith without works is not faith at all. This is like, we got to actually, right. it's not just professed values, it's practice. Right, values, right, right. So mm-hmm. what is it that we can do to, to do this, right? What, what can we do to do this work? And I think there's a difference between getting deliberate about like, let's put our finger on the problem and then doing something to actually solve the problem, mm-hmm. right? Like it's that abstract mm-hmm. thinking of like, oh, this is a problem. And then being like, no, 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 cool. Now that I get it, let's actually do something about it. Yeah. So yeah. when we kind of separate that, like what is it for you? What What is it um, that helps you lean in to like actually choosing intuition and choosing faith if there's a difference for you? Man, what what really helps me is remembering what happened when I did it before. Ooh. Okay. Like just reminding, you know, in in the Christian space, it's like, oh, you know, I hear these cliches that God has a track record. Remember what God had done for you. But then I think there's also opportunity for us to think of the like positively reinforce ourselves mm. by looking at what we've done, like the ways we felt when we trusted ourselves. Yeah. And so that is something that I kind of do to help encourage me. Like, hey, last the last time you trusted yourself and went on this and didn't even ask anyone else, you it, it may have been this journey of, you know, trying to get to the quote unquote best thing for you, but you enjoyed it and you valued yeah. it so much. Be in that space again, mm. you know? Mm. And so that's that's something for me. That kind of really reminds me of this idea that like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of good. I reference that quote all the time, but mm-hmm. it's from Voltaire's mm-hmm. Candide. And, you know, when those, those times where we've trusted ourselves is, is laying the foundation for our new house. It's not on sand. Yeah. Right. Every time right. we do that once we're pouring a little bit more concrete or whatever sure. is most stable, right? Whatever that metaphor is for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But every time we listen to ourselves, we're taking that baby step. We not, we might not be yeah. pouring all the foundation at once, but what we're doing is we're pouring some. And I think yeah. that those baby steps are only make our next steps more possible. Um, yes. And so I, I think when I, when I, when I put this into practice, like what are the, the, things that we can lean in on that are foundational. And for you, I'm hearing that it's those times where we've done it in the past, um, which is, again, I think that's really beautiful. I think what, what Brene offers is this idea of the serenity prayer being a chance to practice this, right? She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to sit in this discomfort, um, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. uh, and again, for those of you who aren't aware of the serenity prayer, it's, um, I think God grant me the uh, serenity to... No, God grant me the wisdom to, wait, what is it? Oh, I always do this. Um, yeah. God grant me the courage to change the times. things I can, the mm-hmm. wisdom to know what I cannot change, and the mm-hmm. serenity to know the difference or the wisdom. The to difference, know, right? yeah. It's, I'm mixing Something up words, like but yeah. it's very similar, right? It's like, mm-hmm. this is what I can change. This is what I can't change. Right. I'm going to live in this unknowable space in this, like mm-hmm. this faith space. That's going to be like, we're going to be able to get through this. And that might yeah. not work for everybody. Let's be clear. Right. Clearly it's not something that I repeat on repeat. Cause I clearly don't have it in my head, <laughs> but like, I've definitely used it before. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's like, Nope, 
I, I cannot change this. This is outside of my mm-hmm. hands. I am leaving this to something that is greater than myself. Yeah. And that's an act of faith, y'all. Um, yeah. Whether that be God I or something else. I think there's something. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I think there's something to that. The idea that these tools might not always work for the same person all mm. the time. Ooh, I love that too. You know what I mean? Like the serenity prayer might be great this time. But the next time that thing is not going to work for you, you might have to do something else. So I think that's why cultivating is so important. You, you It's continuous. You have yes. to keep doing it yeah. and keep because we're changing every single day. The messages that we're receiving just from being, you know, in this um, earth mm. and, and having our individual lived experiences we are are changing and adapting and things that worked yesterday just sometimes might not work today here, or here. tomorrow. Yeah. So I love that you said that. I wanted to. I to... love that you said that. That was look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like that's, that's putting your finger yes. on something important right there. So, wow. No, I, I appreciate that a great deal. Oh man. So we have, we've done it. We've gotten through all of this chapter and you know, it's like, Oh no, like what? Six pages turned into this conversation. (laughs) Like, and we could go forever. Right. We're just like forcing ourselves to move on. Um, (laughs) but I am curious again for, for our listeners, what, what has been your experience with this? What are some moments in the avatar universe that we didn't lift up that might be worth pointing out on, on regards to faith and intuition or, moments of the opposite where people are acting out of certainty and it's not, mm. maybe it's not going well. Um, I I'm interested to, to learn from all of you as well. So feel free to, to join us in that conversation. Remember you can send us voice memos at the arc of E if you want to uh, bring up a discussion point for two minutes or less, ideally, but uh, the arc of E at gmail.com. You can always tweet at us or DM us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, BNB underscore pod. Um, Next week, everybody, we are discussing, as previously stated, Guidepost 6, and that is Cultivating Creativity, Letting Go of Comparison. And again, that's on pages 120 through 126 in the 10th Anniversary Edition. Uh, DeAndrea, you have made this episode everything that it is, and so thank you so much for being a part of this. Like, how, if if you, like, and not everybody wants people to be able to find them, but if you want people to be able to find you, <laughs> Like, how would you like them to do that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would love to connect. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's my name, DeAndrea, but phonetically. Um, so it's at D-E-E-O-N-D-R-A-Y-U-H. And I would love to connect with you there. Lovely. All right. Check mm-hmm. DeAndrea out. Uh, lots and lots of wisdom to offer, as you heard, obviously, uh, over the course of this podcast episode, but uh, I've greatly enjoyed being um, in community with you learning from one another. That has been a Absolutely. really wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. So again, BNB underscore pod. I do want to say that one of the cool things that we have just made a change in is our Patreon tiers. Um, we have three tiers now on our Patreon and we used to only have one for people who were curious. And so we're back to three tiers. We have, I thought it was just bending for $5 or more a month. And that gets you early access to episodes, one mini episode a month, just exclusively for patrons. We do a monthly live episode with our patrons who choose to join us. And so that's really awesome. And we 
I've been able to build really cool communities. So that's been really awesome. And then if you are curious for $25 or more a month, you can do the tier daring bending. And that one gets you all the same exclusive content from, you know, the first tier. And you get a personalized mini episodes, especially for you. And you get to choose the content. You get, you get to pick the content, the canon uh, scene or uh, comic or whatever you'd like. You can pick the lens. You can ask that it be in reference to a specific event in your life. Whatever you would like, any combination of those even. And you get one personalized mini episode, especially for you every month. And then finally, the gifts of imperfect bending is our final tier, and that's at $50 a month. And in addition to all the things that we've already said, you also get a one-on-one conversation with me uh, in which we will kind of walk through your goals um, with the guideposts to wholehearted living in this book that we're discussing right now. And so if you you can choose to do that. We'll have a nice long conversation and talk about your goals. And my goal will be to walk alongside you in that conversation and to weave in uh, moments from the avatar verse into that conversation and uh, put them in conversation with our, with our goals. So once again, uh, that's probably a lot of information. Many of you have probably tuned out already, but for those of you that haven't, thank you for continuing to listen. Um, this has been bending, not breaking. And with our, lovely guest deandrea and that's that's a wrap folks until next time be well and do good